Our passage of scripture this morning is found in the first uh, letter from Paul the, uh, to Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and begin in verses 1 through 12, a great passage to know what God's will is for our life. What God's will is for our life is found in this passage. Some of us may not think it's too, um, in a sense, for lack of a better word, celebrational or it's too something to celebrate, but it's important. Um, the will of God is found in this passage for us, and it may not be what we have envisioned it to be, but it is needed from God. It is needed for us to respond to God's will and what it is. Once again, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through, 1 through 12, I begin reading. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you received from us instruction as to how to live, ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what, the, what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual morality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are all in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you, so that you will, you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Some of us have seen in movies, or maybe have experienced this in our lives when we were dating our significant other, where the, the man would ask the woman, what do you want to go out to eat? Where do you want to go, honey? And sometimes the woman would say either, I don't know, or they would say, it doesn't matter where we go, sweetheart, as long as I'm eating with you. Right? Or a better example would probably be, what do you want for your birthday? Or what do you want for Christmas? And they say, I don't want anything, honey, as long as it's from you. Right? In a similar way, we actually ask, what is God's will for our lives in the same way? God, what do you want me to do for my life for you? And some people, when we were younger, we say, God, who am I going to marry? What is your will for me, who to, for me to marry? What is, what is your will for me to do in the future? What do you want me to be when I grow up? What do you want? And God responds in a similar way. In this very text, we see that God wants our hearts and that God wants us to respond to the sanctification he's already doing within us. He wants our relationship. He wants us to respond to the relationship he's given us that we have with him now. And that's my main point this morning. Our relationship with God is what pleases him. Our relationship with God is his will. And now the future works, the thing that we do pray for. What is your, what is God, what is your will for my life in X amount of years? God, what is, what is the person you want me to do ministry with X amount of years? That is important, absolutely. But we see in this text, it is just as important to work on our relationship with God now. To work on the relationship that he and you and us have together with God currently. And we see in this text, Paul says that Thessalonica was doing a great job in pleasing God. They were doing a great job in all of the uh, things that Paul told them to do, and they were doing so, and to the point 
they were actually being persecuted for their faith. They were being persecuted for loving others. They were persecuted for being um, a Christian, and they just needed encouragement. And I'll get to more into that in a second. But within that, he wants to uh, remind aspects of how we can please God. He just gave a list of how Thessalonica was pleasing God as a church, but also individually. And you and I can do the same. Before I get to my first point, I want to make an illustration about it first. Some of us may remember the, um, the story of Samuel when he went up to Saul before they were going to go into the war with the Philistines. And he said to them, go up to this hill, wait for seven days, wait for me, and we will make the offering. And so Saul gets, his, gets, his, uh, gets all the people of Israel. They go up to the, the hill, and wait for seven days, and they make the sacrifice. But he didn't wait for Samuel. He didn't obey the word. He didn't obey what Samuel had told him in full, and because of that, Samuel had to tell Saul, "You have not obeyed the commandments of Yahweh, and because of this, your kingdom will no longer endure." And he's already appointed someone else, someone who has a, who's a man after his own heart. Our obedience is important in our relationship with God. Saul's obedience to Yahweh mattered, and he didn't do it. That's my first point. Pleasing God involves obeying his instructions, all of his instructions in complete and fullness. Every time Paul would found or would have a church to come to, for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, he would make sure that they were pleasing God in all that they did. Let's look at verses 1 through 2. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you have received from us instructions as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting to see that he's, he's constantly trying to, he's going, and he's going to even more in the text, to say you're, you've received instructions from us. You've also have been doing them. Keep doing it. Why? Why, why tell them to keep doing something if they're already doing it? It's because they need encouragement. It's because they're being persecuted for their faith. And you and I, when we are living our lives for Christ, we need encouragement, especially when we're being persecuted. Sometimes when we have that job with that, with that employer we don't like or with that employee we don't like, and maybe in some cases it would be with a parent that we have that we don't like. But we still need to love on them and serve them and to do the very best that we can because that's what God asks. We just sometimes need encouragement to continue in that faith. And Thessalonica needed encouragement. And sometimes you and I need encouragement. When we're going through hard times for our faith, to stand up for the biblical thing, to stand up for the right thing that are standard biblical truths, and sometimes we'll be opposed. Sometimes we just need encouragement to keep going. All of you are doing a great job. Continue in the faith. Continue reading the scriptures. Continue doing the will of God. And that is your sanctification. The instructions that Paul was given to Thessalonica, he says that they were from God, which they were, because he was an apostle. The, the church of Thessalonica and all the other churches with the letters of the New Testament, they received um, instructions from God through apostles. You and I don't do that today. There is no apostle today. If they say they are an apostle, it's, they're probably going to twist that definition than the biblical meaning. Because you and I do receive instructions from God, but it's through the scriptures. It's through apostles that have already written down what they had. It's, it's already written down through their, 
letters, and you and I need to respond in a similar way that Thessalonica respond to with Paul's instructions to obey them, to learn them, and to meditate on them. Because God is pleased when we respond in our relationship with him by reading the scriptures, understanding the scriptures, and to living them. Because we are changed through the scriptures. The Thessalonica was changed through the instructions Paul gave them. They were changed by that. And they would live it. And you and I are changed through reading the scriptures as well. You and I are changed when we read the scriptures and to apply them. It's kind of like, when I was in kindergarten, and some, some of us have done this when we were in kindergarten, we get a teacher, and uh, she would, she'd come in with this little cage, and they had a bunch of caterpillars in there, and then they would have leaves within a cage, and you see the caterpillars in the cage, and months and months and months later, you'd see them go through the stages of a cocoon, and then they'd see the stages of them turning into a butterfly. And then after we all got to see the, the butterflies and stuff like that, she'd get the cage, take them outside, and let them go, and then you'd see them all fly out. But every now and then, it, for, for some classmates, at least for me, I saw a couple of butterflies that were acting like caterpillar. They wouldn't fly. They wouldn't move. The butterfly was still acting like caterpillar, and it was not pleasing. You and I are able to please God when we no longer act the way we used to. And that's my second point. Pleasing God involves living a sanctified life. Involves living a changed life. You and I are now changed. We are new creations, and we are to live a new life for God because of the change that he's putting within us. And we are changed through the scriptures. Let's look at the scripture, verse 3. This is the climax of the passage. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. The will of God is our relationship with him. The will of God is what he's already doing within us. The will of God is that we respond to that. That we respond to become mature. That we respond to live a better life for him. He doesn't mention who, what we're going to do in the future years. He doesn't mention who's going to be married in the future. He doesn't mention what, what the future job they're going to have. He just mentions now. This is the will of God for your life right now. Your sanctification. Your relationship with God. The sanctification that God is putting within us matters just as much as it does in the future. And that word, sanctification, is interesting, by the way, because commentator named Gordon Fee uh, comments on this, how he says that the word sanctification in this context can also mean holiness. Because within the previous passage in uh, chapter 3, before it gets to chapter 4, but also because it can be a reference to Leviticus 19.2, where Yahweh says to his people, you are to be holy as I am holy. You are to be holy as I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. They were to be a different, um, a different nation than all the other nations. And that's what the word sanctification means. It means to be different. And Israel in their time, they were to be different than all the other nations. And yes, they were to serve a different God. All the different gods than all that all the Gentiles had. They were to serve the true God. And you and I, within this context, we are to be different. Different in the way that we used to act. Different in the way that what God has saved us from. To be changed and to act on that change. And are we acting within a, a sanctification? An example that Paul gives us of how we can act on it is in the same verse of verse 3, but also through verse 8. Let's read uh, 3 through 8. 
For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his very own vessel and sanctification, and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So we see within verse 8 that he mentions again, the will of God for your life is your sanctification. And here's the example, that you abstain from sexual morality. This is what this church was um, converted from. This was the issue that they had before they came to Christ. They had issues with sexual morality, which is why that they... Uh, uh, Paul says to not to remind them to not do so. You've been changed from that. You no longer live that life. And some of us may say, well, Drew, I don't have a problem with that. I'm faithful to my wife. I'm faithful to my husband. I'm faithful to my singleness. And that's good. And just like Paul said, you've been doing this, excel in it. Good job. Excel in it. That's good. So what do we apply from this now if sexual morality is not something we struggle with? It's whatever you have been saved from. It's whatever you and I had an issue with. Because again, our relationship with God involves no longer living the way we used to. Did we used to be even more arrogant than we are now? Did we used to be uh, more uh, of a gossip or a slanderer? Or do we still do those things? Do we still have a hard time loving each other? Or loving those that are not within the church? In order for this church to grow, Odds remind them, you no longer live that life. Don't do that. And for us, we need to be reminded, we no longer live a life as if we're not saved, because we are. Because of God's grace, we're being saved, we're being sanctified because of our justification. And let's get to the scripture of verse 7. He says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Again, the, the, the word impurity Yes, in this context, means sexually immoral. But it doesn't have to only apply to that. It can apply to whatever we were saved from. It can mean for the purpose of no longer being arrogant, no longer being um, slanderous, no longer being pugnacious in our, in our um, attitude. We have to be repentant of our sin when we do fail because we're being changed, as we said. And for those that say that we can't uh, or we don't have to repent or that we don't have to um, repent of our sin, and we can continue to live in sin. Paul says if you reject that, you reject God. For those that say that we don't need to live a repentant life, we, we, he's literally saying that they are not only rejecting that teaching, but they're rejecting God. See, it sees, uh, see it in verse 8. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to, to you. Again, if for those of us that think that we can just continue living the life that we already were, he's saying you not only reject this teaching, but you reject God. Those that say that we, we can act as if we want to, eat, drink, and be merry, or tomorrow we may die, you are rejecting God, rejecting what the clear instructions say. You and I must obey the instructions we've been given through the scriptures. You and I must obey the scriptures or to obey and to read and live them, to repent of our sin. Yes, when we do fail. Yes, when we are 
tempted and we, and we do fail, but we still need to no longer make that our lifestyle again. Because that's what we've been saved from. We are to repent, and we're also to have these good works for God's will, for God's will for our life, and to do so exceedingly. And that's my third point. Pleasing God involves being excellent in all of our work. Pleasing God involves being excellent in our work. Let's look at verses 9 through 10. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Douglas Moo, a scholar who mentions in this passage how Paul was trying to remind them of basic Christian values. The basics matter. The basics are foundational. And he has to remind them to not go back to the way they lived and to continue in that love that you've already been doing. To continue in that love that you have for Christ and, and to love for each other. You and I may know the basics of Christianity, if it will. It, you, might, may, you and I may know what is clear within the scriptures, but do you and I obey it? Do you and I do them? Do you and I apply them? That is the question that Paul is asking. And this church, once again, was doing so while being persecuted. You and I are not persecuted. You and I are inconvenienced at best. And that's by the grace of God. By the grace of God, we're not being persecuted. When we are inconvenienced, do we still love? When we're inconvenienced, do we still obey the word of God? When our food takes 30 minutes longer than it should, are we still loving to the person who does not deserve to be hated on? We are to love. We are to serve. And within that service, it's to serve everyone. And This gets to my final point. That pleasing God as a church involves having ambitions to serve Everyone. Pleasing God as a church involves having ambitions to serve everyone. Let's look at verses 11 through 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to attend your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. I mentioned him earlier, Gordon Fee, who uh, talks about this passage. He mentions how to busy themselves with their own work. Yes, it was in the sense of sort of to not be nosy, but it was to have your own job, have your own dependency. To explain this better, it's kind of like if I were to get an allowance from my parents, and I use that as an excuse to drop every job that I have, that's burdensome because I'm a grown man. I, I need to be dependent on myself. And yes, this was a church that had people that needed help from others financially, of course, especially during persecution. And there's nothing wrong with getting help financially. But if we use that as an excuse not to work, or we use that as an excuse to let them be our primary income, that's burdensome. And that's what Paul is trying to get at here. And in fact, this problem gets a little worse, we say, because in Paul's second letter to Thessalonica, he has to remind them of the command he gave says, if you do not work, you do not eat. It's burdensome if we rely on, if we are reliant and dependent on our serving. We are absolutely to serve each other. Absolutely. But if one of us is dependent on that, that's where it can get hard to serve everyone. Because if if we are a burden to each other as church members, it'll be hard for our fellow uh, fellow church members to be not be burdened 
by those outside. And let me rephrase that so we can understand what I just said. <laughs> if you and I have a hard time serving each other, it's going to be even harder to serve those not in the church. And that's the point. But we are to serve each other. We are to serve and to love each other. Especially when it's hard, of course. But if one of us makes it hard purposefully, that's where it becomes burdensome. Paul does not want to do that. The will of God for our lives is our sanctification. The will of God for our life is our relationship with God. That we need to work hard within our relationship with God. And that we need to serve each other. And our sanctification within our relationship with God is His will. It's again, it doesn't mention who we're going to marry in the future or who or what we're going to do for the future. And those things matter, of course. But what matters more is what we're doing now for Christ. The will of God is that we please God in our response to our sanctification, in reading and applying all the scriptures, which leads to loving and serving others. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time where we can respond to our sanctification, a time where we can respond and work on our holiness and work on our relationship with God to pray to him, to work and to meditate what we've learned and to meditate of what we can do and to apply what we leave. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the instructions that you have given us. We're so grateful for your constant love in how you give us grace, and by that grace we are sanctified and justified and one day be glorified. God, we pray that we respond well to the sanctification you're putting within us. Let us focus on our relationship with you right now. For your glory in Jesus' name.